game tonight. They always find these diamonds in the rough that come up huge in big games. All right, that's uh, going to do it for us on the Daily Sports Report. Uh, my name is Mike Lindowski. You've been listening to 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. For Andrew Shapiro, Eli Sherman, and C.J. Stone, uh, we're going to leave you with a good night and a go blue. Stay tuned for Gray Matters. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of the University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocked over Cambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Cambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle, and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Cambellini. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gray Matters, your weekly media, press, current events, etc. program. Jim Dwyer here uh, doing a solo program today. I think Dick Whaley will be back next week. And we'll see whether or not uh, we have a federal government in operation uh, at that juncture. Of course, that's uh, one of the big stories. Uh, today, this uh, whole weekend building up to, will they or won't they, will they or won't they? Oh, come on, you know the Republicans are going to go ahead and go through with it. They can't see that this will probably, uh, almost certainly, uh, hurt them as a party. I uh, just don't think they can think it through that far. In fact, there's an interesting article in uh, Sunday's New York Times about how uh, many still in government, can't really remember, really, what the last shutdown was all about. That was an article by Jennifer Steinhauer. Last shutdown is a lesson lost on Capitol Hill as a new crisis looms. And uh, from that article, uh, one paragraph in, we get a quote from Senator Lindsey Graham, South Carolina Republican, who was among the raucous House freshmen then, Back in uh, mid-90s, of course, when Newt Gingrich and his contract on America uh, decided to gather up all the marbles and fling them into a ravine. Uh, Lindsey Graham is quoted in uh, Steinhauer's article as saying, I'll buy you a Coke Zero if you can tell me what the government shutdown was about in 95. Uh, What was the issue? Nobody remembers. Well, some remember it was largely to do with uh, sort of an ideological puppet show that the Republicans were trying to run. Uh, In fact, further on in this article, uh, Steinhauer writes, in the 1996 fiscal year, which featured featured the two most famous shutdowns in American history, the battle between Congress and Mr. Clinton centered principally around how to balance the budget with a side fight over Medicare premiums that ultimately provoked the shutdown. Republicans wore lapel pins calling for a balanced budget. And yet these lapel pin wearing ideologues were the same ones who voted in droves to uh, fund the mysterious black box that was Bush's war in Iraq. And of course, now we have a new leading light in the crusade, 
the cruise aide, we might even say, and that's Rafael Edward Ted Cruz, Jr., United States Senator for the state of Texas, looking uh, in his little mugshot here uh, on Wikipedia like uh, he fancies himself something of a Quentin Tarantino lookalike. And I dare say he's got a, a similar mentality. Uh, humans uh, exist only to be exploded. Um, this guy is sort of a full speed uh, ahead, knucklehead. And uh, one wonders how lengthy his tenure in the Senate will be. Uh, Steinhauer uh, concludes in her article, uh, Today, Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, is plagued by both his minority status and a primary challenge from the right. He has done little to bridge the gap between Republicans willing to fight to the end and those who want to move on. But the latest crop of Republican senators, Mr. Cruz among them, often seems impervious to pressure from their leaders. Impervious uh, to reason, to the concept of uh, debate and exchange, and bipartisanship, which of course is the only way forward. Nobody ever gets all that they want. It's a sacrifice. It's a compromise. You get some things, you give up others. Uh, but when you say, no, no, we're not willing to give up anything. In fact, this really ultimately, uh, this showdown is about the Health Care Act, which has been labeled and then denounced as Obamacare. Uh, this is not even a great attempt, but something of a feeble attempt to bring uh, health care into reachability for a number of Americans uh, who currently do not enjoy uh, access to health insurance. And uh, the Republicans are so uh, insistent on making sure that this never has a chance to happen um, under this framework uh, that they're willing to uh, go to this extreme. Uh, the Supreme Court itself has already ruled that, well, yeah, this is, in fact, constitutional. Uh, the president signed it. Uh, therefore, it's a law. Uh, well, no, um, we're going to sort of do an end run and attach it to a budget bill, which we're going to put the world economy on the chopping block because if the United States... Uh, does not raise the debt ceiling, defaults on uh, money's owed, uh, then we'll see that Christmas will be ruined. Uh, there's been modest growth in the economy. Uh, people are spending a little bit more comfortably and freely, uh, which, of course, that's what you want, right? That means that uh, things are functioning normally. People feel comp uh, confident and comfortable enough that... Uh, the economy has stabilized, that they're willing to make purchases. Uh, but if suddenly uh, we can't get this taken care of and the debt ceiling uh, remains in its current location, the United States defaults on its loans, well, then we'll see uh, the economy seize up again and things will get even worse. Um, but this is a risk that Republicans say they're willing to, to take because they're doing the right thing. They're fighting for the American people. Uh, I really think that that's uh, a bit of Kool-Aid they're drinking on the side. Um, 
I think it's a lot more complicated than that. I think most people, uh, I mean, if you know anything at all about business, it's all about cash flow. Uh, of course, businesses uh, profit some years, uh, show losses in other years. But even in a year where you show a loss, it's all about is there cash flow? You know, do you have things coming in down the line that, okay, then you're good. You lost a little money here. You'll hopefully make it up later. Uh, but you're running, you're rolling. Uh, things uh, continue to move and operate. Uh, it's like a human body. You stop drinking water, your internal organs seize up, and you die. You can go without food for a while, but you need water on a regular basis, uh, or the organism dies. Well, an economy is the same thing. Cash needs to flow through it. And if people stop spending, uh, then things seize up, and uh, it gets very nasty indeed. Well, there's an old expression uh, when somebody does something that's going to hurt themselves, uh, but they want to make a big impact on somebody else, uh, they're willing to take the little hurt. And that's the old expression that you're going to cut your nose off to spite your face. Uh, but really, I think what the Republican agenda is here is to cut the face off to spite the nose. Uh, the nose here is the Health Care Act, and the face is the well-being of the American economy. So we're so upset about this nose job that we've had. We really don't want it. The American people don't want it. We're going to cut the whole damn face off and uh, see if you, how do you like that? Well, we'll see. And in fact, I think we'll see tomorrow morning when it turns out that, yes, indeed, there uh, will be a government shutdown. Uh, and I think that's another thing that the Republicans are misguided on. They probably feel, many of them, uh, that, uh, well, hey, if the government shuts down, it's a chance for people to see that they really don't need it, that the federal government is not a part of your everyday life, and that, hey, you can get along just fine. You, you got up and you had your breakfast cereal and you went to work and you weren't even affected at all by the fact that there is a government shutdown. So you see, the federal government doesn't even matter. Well, that's a pretty simplistic view of things. And while you might make it through your day without uh, any direct uh, consequences or repercussions from a uh, shutdown of government services, plenty of people will. Uh, and it's not just people who are employed by the federal government. It's their families and it's those who sell things to those people who have those jobs. And again, the Sunday Times, I don't usually buy because it seems like it's a waste of about a third of a tree. Uh, but this particular, this last uh, Sunday Times, the September 29th edition, had a number of very, very uh, strong uh, articles in it that uh, I'll touch on a couple others here in a moment. But uh, there's an article inside the uh, A section there of that Sunday paper uh, by Michael Schmidt, Tom Shanker, and Andrew Sidons, who uh, the article is Federal Agencies Lay Out Contingency Plans for Possible Shutdown. And we can see the percentage of workers who would be furloughed uh, in the event of a government shutdown. So NASA, which employs 18,250 people, 97% uh, of those would be furloughed. Uh, who must remain at work from NASA? Well, International Space Station scientists. They're stuck in space. Uh, they're probably wondering, gee, I hope everything's going to be uh, possible for me to come back down and go home again. 
Uh, 94% of the EPA would be furloughed, um, including pesticide regulators. So it's okay. Breathe poisons. Uh, your job is not important. Um, that's not national security. Uh, it's okay if uh, a little pesticide gets applied in an unregulated fashion for a couple days. Who cares, right? 82% of the uh, Labor Bureau, 81% of the Interior, 80% of the Treasury, 69% of the Energy, 52% of Health and Human Services, um, only 50% of defense spending. And these will all be civilian furloughs. Uh, of course, soldiers might thinking, hey, I'd like to go home uh, as a part of this government shutdown. But alas, you must stay in Afghanistan. Uh, and also, interesting to note, military recruiters must continue to work. Why? Well, we need to send more guys to uh, Afghanistan eventually. So uh, keep recruiting. Um Justice uh, will only have 15% of uh, furloughs. Homeland Security, 14, and that's one of the smallest ones, uh, that in Veterans Affairs. Of course, it's interesting to note that there's already been so many cuts to the Veterans Affairs uh, that they could hardly cut more without getting to the point where we have another uh, flurry of, uh, instead of Vietnam War vets living on the streets, uh, we would be seeing first Iraq War vets on the streets. But here is the sort of creme de la creme, the slap in the face that reality uh, has presented but just has not been recognized or absorbed by those wascoey Republican lawmakers. We're going to shut the government down, right, so that we can get this ba crazy uh, budget balanced and also so we can avoid this uh, socialist health care program. But here's the kicker about uh, two-thirds of the way through the article here. This piece of information is revealed. The rollout of President Obama's health care law with the first insurance marketplaces to go online starting on Tuesday will continue because most of the money for that program was provided by the Affordable Care Act and other laws. So while... Whole sections of the federal government will be shut down due to Republican uh, intransigence. Uh, the very thing that they're trying the most to prevent is going to happen anyway, because it's already been funded. It has nothing to do with new or additional taxes. Uh, in fact, that's part of the reason why the Supreme Court uh, ruled that it was a constitutional program. So uh, there you have it. Uh, not much more to say on that, uh, for now. We'll just have to, uh, wait and see how it all unfolds tomorrow. But I do appreciate the fact that Harry Reid, although he's hardly the most charismatic guy in the Senate, uh, has said that after weeks of futile political games from Republicans, we are still at square one. We continue to be willing to debate these issues in a calm and rational atmosphere, but the American people will not be extorted by Tea Party anarchists. And while I don't like to see the word anarchism sort of uh, sullied about with that sort of uh, know-nothingism and uh, Yahooism that uh, the Tea Party typically represents, uh, I appreciate his sentiments all the same, 
uh, because here in the Financial Times, we see a photograph of a Tea Party activist standing outside the Capitol. He's a, a sole angry man. He's got a flag that says, don't tread on me. He's got a small sign that says, defund, vote no, stand with Cruz, uh, showing his support for smaller government. Well, there's plenty of waste in government. There's no denying that. Uh, however, much of it, if not most of it, is found in military contracting. Um, we've talked numerous times. One of my pet peeves, of course, uh, here on Gray Matters is the e elaborate amount of money that this country has spent on air conditioning uh, sections of Afghanistan to make it more comfortable for our guys while they're there. Uh, it would be a whole heck of a lot cheaper to uh, not air condition Afghanistan and, and then just leave Afghanistan. Um, now, <clears throat> what will John uh, Boehner, don't call me Boner, do? Uh, in a continuation of uh, Steinhauer's article here on the inside of the paper, we see Speaker John Boehner of Ohio faced a critical decision this weekend, except a bill passed by the Senate on Friday to keep the government financed, financed and the health care law intact and risk a conservative revolt that could threaten his speakership or make one more effort to undermine the president's signature domestic initiative and hope that a shutdown would not do serious political harm to his party. Well, not the smartest crayons in the box, sharpest crayons. Uh, we'll just see how this all plays out. Uh, I guess the best we can hope for is that it will be a short rather than a lengthy shutdown. And uh, I think uh, the past is going to repeat itself. Uh, the Republicans found uh, last time around that people turned out to be not very thrilled at the uh, loss and absence of government services. The other really, uh, I think, important article uh, that featured in the Sunday New York Times this last week involved children and guns. The hidden toll Accidental shooting deaths are widely undercounted. This is one of those articles that hopefully you didn't read it before you went to bed, as I did, because as soon as I closed my eyes, I could envision some of these truly horrifying and tragic uh, uh, catastrophes uh, happening in various homes around the nation involving uh, guns, handguns, shotguns, hunting weapons, etc., um, in fact, the photograph uh, shows uh, a three-year-old boy uh, holding a 22 rifle that was a present. Uh, this photograph was evidence in the father's negligent homicide trial after the three-year-old boy accidentally shot himself with another gun in the house. I mean, who buys a three-year-old a gun? Um, that's just shocking and bizarre. But what's really disturbing about this article is the systematic way in which the gun manufacturers lobby. And that's, again, I can't emphasize that point enough. We don't want to call it the National Rifle Association because uh, that's a sort of a generic neutral sounding term. Uh, it, it's the organization of hunters and sportsmen, uh, or so it is claimed. But as I've said a number of times, and as, as a matter of public record, uh, it's really a gun manufacturers association. Uh, 
the bulk of their funding comes from uh, arms manufacturers. And um, what's discovered in Michael Luo and Mike McIntyre's article here is that partly because of uh, industry manipulation, partly because of some ambiguity in various state laws, uh, accidents that prove fatal involving children and firearms are sometimes not counted as accidents. Um, and there are a couple of states in particular that they look at here. Georgia and North Carolina have the most uh, accidental gun deaths uh, of victims under the age of 15. I think in Georgia, it's about 70 uh, deaths. Uh, half of these are not classified as accidents for various reasons here. Um Let's see. I'll just read from the article. New York Times review of hundreds of child firearm deaths found that accidental shootings occurred roughly twice as often as the records indicate because of idiosyncrasies in how such deaths are classified by the authorities. The killings of uh, Lucas, Cassie, and Alex for uh, terrible stories that are uh, spelled out in the back. I mean, one kid, uh, the three-year-old who I mentioned, uh, picks up uh, the handgun and you know, looks down the barrel, shoots himself right in the eye. Of course, he's dead immediately. Uh, another kid uh, was excited about going out to practice his gun later that day and uh, pointed at his brother, shoots him, he's dead. Um, <laughs> how do you classify these these incidents? Uh, as a result, the scores uh, scores of accidental killings are not reflected in the official statistics that have framed the debate over how to protect children from guns. The National Rifle Association, so-called, uh, cited the lower official numbers this year in a fact sheet opposing safe storage laws, saying children were more likely to be killed by falls, poisoning, or environmental factors. An incorrect assertion if the actual number of accidental firearm deaths is significantly higher. But let's just back up a little bit here from uh, Luo and McIntyre's article here and just examine what that paragraph is also saying. Uh, the NRA cited the lower official numbers this year in a fact sheet opposing safe storage laws. Yes, that's right. They are even against additional laws being put in place to mandate safe storage of guns. We don't need those laws, says the NRA, because children are more likely to be killed by falls, poisoning, or environmental factors. But lo and behold, uh, the statistics when actually, honestly, truthfully compiled show uh, quite a different fact indeed. Uh, jumping down a bit here, uh, compiling a complete census of accidental gun deaths of children is difficult because most states do not consider death certificate data a matter of public record. In a handful of states, however, the information is publicly available. Using these death records as a guide, along with hundreds of medical examiner and coroner reports and police investigative files, the Times sought to identify every accidental firearm death of a child aged 14 and under in Georgia, Minnesota, North Carolina, and Ohio dating to 1999 and in California to 2007. Records were also obtained from several county medical examiner's offices in Florida, Illinois, and Texas. 
The goal in the end was an in-depth portrait of accidental firearm deaths of children, one that would shed light on how such killings occur and might be prevented. In all, the Times cataloged 259 gun accidents that killed children ages 14 and younger. The youngest was just nine months old, shot in his crib. In four of the five states, California, Georgia, North Carolina, and Ohio, the Times identified roughly twice as many accidental killings as were tallied in the corresponding federal data. In the fifth, Minnesota, there were 50% more accidental gun deaths. The Times excluded some fatal shootings like pellet gun accidents that are normally included in the federal statistics. So there's more children being killed by poorly stored, uh, you know, loaded guns that are left laying around the house than the industry wants you to believe. They actually want you to believe that your child is more likely to die from choking than from being shot. So it's no big deal if you've got a gun around the house, and it's no big deal uh, if there isn't a law uh, mandating a certain degrees of uh, safety and reliability there. Uh, one particular incident is sort of highlighted here. Uh, Lucas's father, Joshua Hagren, had tried to teach the three-year-old to respect firearms. The boy had gotten a 22 rifle for Christmas and his father showed him how to fire it, but he also warned him to handle it only when an adult was present. Uh, he was never uh, even he never even attempted to touch guns when Josh wasn't around. Lucas's mother, Caitlin, testified at Mr. Hagren's trial where he was convicted of negligent homicide and endangering children. He knew. Come on. What does a three year old know? I mean, three year olds don't know. No cookies right now. You know, you, you got to wait for dinner. But the three year old knows that cookies are good and he knows where the cookies are and he knows that cookies are fun. Who's going to go sneak a cookie? You can't teach a three-year-old about gun safety. Yes, I suppose it's a noble effort to instill an idea in a child's mind that this is a very dangerous thing. Um, why isn't there a national uh, saber saw association making sure that all teachers and all children have access to power tools that they can play with and carry around them? I'm going to start packing a saber saw on my holster, side holster. That's a legal weapon, right? As long as my extension cord is long enough. But I'll make sure to tell the little children, oh, be careful. Daddy's saber saw is very sharp and can hurt you. Uh, this is just insanity. It's just complete insanity. This article goes on in quite some detail here. Um, and here uh, will be the last little segment I will feature from it. Safety versus self-defense. Uh, the impact of the undercount of accidental gun deaths emerges in stark relief in the statehouse battles over gun storage laws. In state after state, and often with considerable success, gun rights groups have cited the federal numbers as proof that the problem is nearly inconsequential and that storage laws are unnecessary. Gun Owners of America, which is all in caps, that's an actual organization, um, says on its website that children are 130% more likely to die from choking on their dinner than from accidental shootings. Well... We should maybe have some federal regulations on dinner because apparently dinner is uh, way more destructive to childhood than guns. 
But, well, as we've seen, the way these statistics are juggled and compiled, uh, this is an utter falsehood. Uh, to continue with the article, in February 2012, the Rifle Association issued a member alert about proposed safe storage law in Washington state, arguing that shootings are, quote, at the bottom of the list of causes of accidental harm to children. At the bottom of a list of causes of accidental harm to children. Hmm. The group accused State Senator Adam Klein, who introduced the measure, of being interested only in, quote, making life miserable for law-abiding gun owners. Yes, that's what he decided when he woke up that day. I think I'll piss all the gun owners off just for kicks. The legislation never made it out of committee. Surprise, surprise. Under the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention figures, in fact... Gun accidents were the ninth leading cause of unintentional deaths among children. So I guess near the bottom of the list uh, still applies if it's only a 10-item list. But of course, there are a number of hazards that a, a dangerous world poses for small children. Uh, certainly guns are damn near the top. So that's according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention figures. Uh, gun accidents are the ninth leading cause of unintentional deaths among children, ages 1 through 14 in 2010. The agency reported 62 such killings that year. However, if the actual numbers are, in fact, roughly double, gun accidents would rise into the top five or six. So yes, that's right. If the numbers are honestly accounted and truthfully revealed and reported, guns are in the top five threats and hazards to small children. No duh. Now, no matter how safe you are, no matter how careful you are, a child, is if it can find the gun, if it's not locked up, if it's stored while it's loaded, it's just a recipe for disaster. And the other chart that they show is, of course, something we've talked on Gray Matters a number of times about. Uh, owning a gun uh, is no guarantee of safety or security. In fact, all the statistics show that guns are more often used against a member of the household rather than against an invader because it's always going to be, someone's coming to get me. It's this fear factor. And uh, oh, here it is right here. Uh, yeah, 49%. Uh, of these shootings happen at the home in which the gun is legally registered. Unsafely stored, but legally registered. Well, if that doesn't give you the blues, nothing will. Fortunately, the blues as an art form is a healing medium, and it is uh, with... Uh, great honor that I introduce uh, Jerry Mack, who's coming up next to bring you uh, Yazoo City Calling, a program that studies the origins and early practitioners of one of America's greatest art forms. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate that uh, little introduction there. And as always, to follow your show is a great honor, too, with all the cerebral and positive and very relevant information that uh, comes forth out of this show to help us uh, get a perspective on this crazy world we live in. To it quote, to quote uh, Latka from Taxi and the uh, guns and cookies things, guns, cookies, guns, cookies. <laughs> Which do I need to survive? 
Anyway, it's 7 p.m. here at WCBN-FM. Do you know when your government will shut down? Da 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 da